welcome to ASIC View, the official ASIC podcast. This week, ASIC released its enforcement report for the six-month period running from July 1st to December 31st, 2015. To discuss both the report and ASIC enforcement more generally, I'm joined by ASIC Commissioner Greg Tanzo. Greg, thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, there's a lot of information in this report from how our matters are run to the amount of convictions and much, much more. Can you run us through some of the key statistics that people will find when they read the, this report? Well, ASIC is, amongst its many functions, ASIC is a law enforcement agency. In fact, it's one of our very important functions. And that's borne out in some of the statistics contained in this report. I mean, over the last six months, um, well, the six months from July uh, to December 2015, we commenced over 100 investigations, 105, and completed 86 of them. Um, we had, as part of that, um, six people charged in criminal proceedings with 42 criminal charges. Um, on the administrative side, we removed 27 individuals from were banned from uh, participating in financial services. In terms of compensation and remediation, and this is a very important statistic, $149 million worth of compensation or remediation uh, was ordered or recovered on behalf of consumers and investors as a result of ASIC action over that period, $150 million. Uh, And we issued a large number of infringement notices and nearly $1 million worth of infringement notices were also paid over that period. That, that, uh, that remediation compensation figure in, in specifically is an important one, isn't it? Because as much as people do like to see people punished when they, when they break the law, oftentimes it's the most important thing for people is just getting their money back. Well, it's, it's a very important thing for consumers and investors. It's not always possible, of course, for ASIC or indeed for they themselves to recover uh, compensation. But when it's available, we certainly want to look very seriously about at... Uh, the remediation um, that can be done. And I say also for the firms that are involved uh, themselves, the act of having to go through a process of remediation or compensation is very, very important too because in that way they're facing up to their responsibilities and the damage they've caused. Absolutely right. Now, they sound like good numbers. Can you talk about uh, what their significance is, the significance of these stats when it comes to ASIC enforcement, and maybe a bit more generally about why enforcement is such an important part of what we do? As you say, ASIC is an enforcement agency. Well, they are good numbers, but it's not just all about the numbers. I mean, what they really represent is ASIC's commitment to ensuring trust and confidence in Australia's financial services industry and financial services almost above any other type of good or service that you can imagine is built on the trust and confidence of its customers, of its investors. And that's why we think it's very important um, that our enforcement activity backs up the fact that when things go wrong, there will be a penalty um, that has to be paid, particularly because when things go wrong, that betrays the trust and confidence of ordinary Australian mum and dad consumers. Now, 
we're proud of our enforcement record. Um, we would we um, we put a lot of our resources into enforcement, and um, we um, believe that we're quite good at it. And the results actually show that our success rates are very high. And we want Australian uh, mums and dads, investors, the Australian public generally, and indeed members of the financial services industry members of the directors community, members of the business community, to know that ASIC's on the job. Yeah, it's a big part of making sure, of deterrence, isn't it? Making sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, can you talk about some, some key areas of focus for ASIC enforcement um, over the, this six-month period and in general, and why they, why they carry such weight? Look, I think it's well known that um, ASIC's been concerned about culture in the financial services industry and that's because poor culture drives poor conduct and that leads to poor outcomes uh, for customers. We've seen this with insurance mis-selling, um, we've seen this with some recent scandals in financial planning, um, we've seen this uh, with recent actions that we've been taking around uh, potential manipulation of financial sector benchmarks. And we are very keen to target our enforcement activity at um, those areas where we think culture is driving very bad outcomes uh, for consumers and investors. Equally, we are very keen to make sure that the gatekeepers the directors, the auditors, the financial advisors, the accountants, the advisors in a whole range of areas, um, the gatekeepers that work in our business community and our financial services community do their job and play their role. And where they fall short of the standards of conduct that are expected of them, we will take action. And a third area that I think is quite important, and particularly from a small business perspective, is what's called illegal Phoenix Company activity. And this is where a company uh, which may be struggling to pay its debts or otherwise actually decides to close down its doors one day and open up the next day, having transferred all of the assets of the previous company uh, to a new company with the intention of defeating its creditors. And so often the victims of this type of thing are other trade creditors, often uh, small business people themselves. And that's why that's been a particular target for us as well. Let's talk about some of the examples. There are, there are not only examples of, of key outcomes in here, but also uh, in the report, examples of how ASIC has actually gone about achieving those outcomes or bringing a matter to court. So that's well worth having a look at as well. But as, as far as a couple of outcomes, uh, what, what, are, what are a couple that you'd like to highlight? Yeah, look, as you mentioned, in terms of how we go about achieving those outcomes, the report, if you like, um, provides an interesting insight into how we manage um, collecting all of the evidence and data that we need uh, and give some really good examples of uh, the volumes of data that, in fact, we typically have to collect for, for different matters. But in terms of the um, outcomes themselves, there's a couple that I'd highlight. I mean, we've been very focused on loan fraud recently. And one of the major matters that we dealt with uh, over that last six-month period uh, was a matter called Myra, Myra Home Loans. Um, this was an investigation that centred on a conspiracy to defraud banks and other financial institutions by creating and using false documents to support loan applications that were submitted on behalf of Myra clients. And this was no small conspiracy. I mean, during the period that we were looking at, 
at least 350 loans valued at approximately $110 million were submitted and approved on behalf of Myra clients. Now, there's a number of um, people who've been charged um, with offences under that, um, but during the particular period that we're looking at, the last six months, Mr Hassan and Mr Ahmed both pleaded guilty to one count of common law conspiracy to defraud, and they were sentenced to community correction orders. Uh, two other significant um, criminal matters in that matter are coming up to, tra- to trial over the next six months, not just in that area of criminal activity, but also related to loan fraud. We dealt with uh, a really important matter involving defrauding uh, clients, and this was the Get Approved Finance or the Jeremy WA matter. In that case, um, brokers arranged for a friend or a relative of the particular consumer uh, to, be, to become the nominated borrower for these particular loans because the borrower themselves didn't have a good enough credit record and wasn't eligible to get a loan um, themselves. But they did it in a way that misled both the borrower and uh, this friend or relative of the borrower about what the nature of the transaction was that we were in, uh, was um, being entered into. Loans worth over $1.3 million were financed by Asanda, you know, a large uh, financial house uh, in this field. And Asanda, once they became aware of this, has now compensated, agreed to compensate 70 borrowers for car loans organised by Get Approved Finance. More particularly, the brokers that have been involved in this activity have been banned for providing financial services and engaging in credit activities. And Andrew, if I could just mention one other area that we've been very active in, in this area of gatekeepers. And this relates to the very important role of directors, particularly at times of financial stress of their company. Um, The particular case that is referred to in the report relates to CleanMade, you know, a major Australian company that collapsed in 2009, owing uh, over $100 million. Now, that led to a very substantial um, investigation by ASIC, and in the last six months, uh, one of the directors of CleanMade, Gary Armstrong, pleaded guilty to account of dishonestly gaining loan facilities totaling $13 million and two counts of insolvent trading, and he was sentenced to seven years jail. Um, A couple of other directors are uh, facing similar charges and are due to face trial trial, um, in the coming months. But seven years jail sends a very strong, uh, very strong message to directors of companies Uh, It's by no means the only example of that nature that's uh, mentioned in the report, but seven years jail uh, is a very strong message to company directors that particularly when they're in financial stress, they should not succumb to the temptation to engage in any type of fraud and they should always have the best interests of the company as a whole, its shareholders and creditors, at heart. Yeah, you would hope a penalty of that significance was uh, was a big deterrent. Indeed. Uh, now, turning to the future, just finally, uh, what are some of ASIC's priorities for, I guess, not only the next few months, the next six months, uh, but just ongoing the next few years? Well, it's, it's been well sort of um, agitated in the press in recent um, weeks that ASIC's commenced a very important action against the ANZ Bank over um, the um, what we allege is a manipulation of a key financial 
benchmark in Australia, the bank bill swap rate. This whole area of financial benchmarks and indeed foreign exchange trading remains a very important focus for ASIC uh, in the coming six months. Similarly, um, we've um, indicated that we have currently a wealth management project which is really targeting the abuses in financial advice uh, that we've seen in, um, in recent times, particularly in the larger financial institutions in Australia. But augmenting that, we've also been running some quite important actions on investment um, investment opportunities that are being offered to people, we say illegally, around what's called land banking in Australia. And this is preying on um, the, um, I guess, the love of Australian investors, the desire of Australian investors to invest in real property. Mm. But this land banking activity is largely, uh, we say, misleading people into investing uh, on the basis of uh, inappropriate information, or indeed in many cases, offering uh, an investment through an unlicensed activity. And uh, our message there is that, um, firstly, if you don't understand the investment, there's no reason why you should invest in it. But also, if you're dealing through an unlicensed person, you should really ask yourself why that person hasn't um, got themselves a license as required by the law. Because Australian law includes a number of very important protections for investors where they deal with the licensed person. And look, finally, in terms of corporate governance, we're going to continue to focus on companies that have poor corporate governance, poor culture leading to poor outcomes in terms of governance, issues concerning related party dis uh, um, transactions and financial reporting and accounting fraud. Now, look, we've only really sketched over the surface uh, in this podcast, so I do encourage people to go have a read of the report, asic.gov.au. You'll be able to see it all there. There are infographics and much, much more, plenty of information on that. My Greg, thanks so much for joining me to discuss the report. We really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, we'll be bringing you many more episodes of ASIC View in the weeks to come. Thanks for listening and don't forget to go to asic.podbean.com. <laughs>